North Carolina got their first quad one win of the season. And all it took was coach Jeff Lebo drawing up a play on the fly and the North Carolina starters executing it to perfection. You are locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, December 19th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or watch of the day to help you get your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on today's show, listen, this win over Ohio State was so big and insane and important that it deserves us treating it during the entire show. So I'll get you out the Four Corners recap, our shady stat of the game, and we're going to unpack the play in depth. But first, we're going to talk about the big picture of this whole thing. And the big picture of this whole thing is I literally have just walked in the door from flying home from New York City. I got home to my car to a dead battery. That's right. My car in the parking lot at the airport, dead battery, had to call AAA. So, uh, man, I'm so still excited to be going with this and doing it with you. So thank you so much for diving in. And I want to honor you being here by me being here. And so let's do it. Biggest takeaway from this game, I'm calling it right now, bookmark this win over Ohio State and this moment. Because when we eventually write the postmortem on this season, there will be a moment that everyone points to and looks back at as the moment when the 2022-23 Tar Heels found themselves. And I'm going to tell you right now, it could be that closing 12 minutes at Virginia Tech. Even though they didn't get that win, all they've done since then is win. In between, there's the wins over Georgia Tech and Citadel. But for me, for right now, I think this is that moment. This is where the Tar Heels found themselves. Because why? Well, it's against such a high-level opponent. Because against Virginia Tech, they made the push but didn't get over the top. In this game, not only did they make the push, they made multiple pushes. And they found a way to get over the top. Think about this with me. Imagine a world, a scenario where Carolina doesn't get this win, where Leaky Leaky Black can't make that baseline pass with two seconds left, or he can't make that pass over the top to Pete Nance with 1.2 seconds left, or any other myriad of things that could have gone wrong, and Carolina loses this game. Think about where just the thin line of difference. If the Tar Heels do not beat Ohio State, they're now 0-5 in quad one wins. They haven't looked great, frankly, in any big-time national TV stage games. Moral victories, like the one at Virginia Tech and would have been at Ohio, not at Ohio State, but against Ohio State, are nice to a certain extent. But at some point, a moral victory has to turn into a scoreboard victory for it to be worth anything, right? And that's what happened. That, that's what you get. I, I, you feel completely different with where things are at if North Carolina does not execute this comeback. 
but that's what they did. And that's where we're at on Monday, December 19th. There's more to be played, but the Tar Heels found a way to do it. So instead of 0-5 in quad one, the Tar Heels are now 1-4. and And don't mistake what a big deal that is, right? Um, in, in a season where the ACC is going to be down, quad one opportunities aren't there to the same degree they typically are. Um, currently, one has just been added. Who was it? The game at Pitt has just, at least for right now, switched into being a quad one opportunity because they've moved to like 74th in the net rankings and it's one through 75 away. So right now you've got six more opportunities. But typically in an ACC season, you'd have out of the 20 games, maybe 10 to 12 quad one games. Not so this year. Remember last year, Carolina notably didn't get a quad one victory until the win at Virginia Tech late in the season. Um, and so now I know the game versus Virginia Tech at home from earlier in the season turned into a quad one, whatever. That doesn't matter. You get my point. This is so big for resume building to get a win of this magnitude in the non-conference portion of the schedule, because that's a lot of what the selection committee looks at is who did you beat not only in conference play, but in in non-conference play. And this is the last opportunity because the game against Michigan on Wednesday, Michigan ain't doing it right now. And so you had to get this win against Ohio State. I cannot stress how massive it was to get this win on this stage in this way. And so beyond winning a quad one game, importantly, Carolina also hasn't lost Outside of quad one, no bad losses is something else we look at. And typically it's it's okay if, you're, if you've taken a quad two loss or two. You just want to stay away from quad three losses and very far away from quad four losses, which Carolina has none of. All four losses, that four-game losing streak, were all quad one games. So that's it's not good to lose, but if you're going to lose, that's what you want to do. And so when you add in quad one and quad two, the Tar Heels are four and four right now. That's a great place to be. I'm really curious to see what the new polls look like when they come out on Monday. If Depending on when you're listening to or watching this on Monday, you already know. Um, I'm curious to see if the heels hop back in. At the very least, they're going to get a lot of votes now because they've gone on this, this winning streak, including knocking off a ranked team in Ohio State. Some of the computer numbers still don't love them. They're, they've moved, they have moved up to 20th at Ken Palm as of like right before I recorded this, but they're still 31st at Torvik, things like that. I know that Gary Parrish at CBS moved them back into his top 25 on Sunday morning, and so uh, really curious to see where it is. Now, additionally, um, another thing we need to look at big picture with this is I've been talking a lot in the past week or two about building on prosperity. As you turn the ship from that losing streak, now you you got to take a win and build on it and get better and keep going. And, and now you just got to keep doing so, right? You've got three in a row. Do it again. Go out and have this performance against Michigan on Wednesday. Got to follow it up against this another Big Ten opponent, and you can go from a four-game losing streak to now a four-game winning streak. A massive opportunity again on Wednesday. I also want to point out, right, it's not all sunsets and happy things. Uh, it's, it's a moment where... 
Carolina, frankly, did not match Ohio State's toughness in the first half of this game, despite all week long leading up to it, Coach Davis and the coaching staff saying, listen, Ohio State is bringing it. Bringing it, absolutely. But what I love is that the second half was a different story. The heels came out poised and ready for a fight, and fight they did. But, right, I you know that I'm a positive person, but I have no problem critiquing when and where we need to. Carolina's got, like, if your coaching staff is pounding that into you, you got to be ready from the tip to bring the energy Carolina had in the second half. You got to be that locked in from the get-go. And I, I know there's probably nerves because it's MSG and, and other stuff like that, but still, it's it's just a basketball game. Go play it. And I, I know we know the Tar Heels are capable of that. We know they're not going out like, I'm going to be laid back today. This opponent's not that. That's not it. But there, there's just a different level of locked in that it's got to be. And that's what I am looking to see. Also, a reminder here at the beginning of the week, coming up on Friday, I need some entries from you for the heel of the week, the good side, and the heel of the week the bad side. Make sure you're submitting those through Twitter DMs or you can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Now, I know you're all clamoring for your favorite moment of uh, recap shows, which is our Four Corners recap and, of course, the shady stat of the game. All that is coming up in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn uh, these days lets you know that every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to spread the word that you're hiring. And then you can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right experience and skill set, and then hone in on who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right candidate can help you do exactly that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. It is time for the four corners recap. This is what we do as an homage to coach Dean Smith's four corners offense. Always bringing you the four things I think were the most chief important in this game, as well as a shady stat of the game, a stat I thought really stood out. Number one, I I said this on social media leading up to the game, but it's a very simple game plan for this one. Ohio State has a small front court, 6'6", 6'6", 6'8", Zed Key at the center. Meanwhile, Leaky Black, 6'9", Pete Nant, 6'11", Armando Baycott, 6'11". So that simple game plan let Mondo eat, right? Feed Armando the ball and just let him go to work. Well, it, it was a worrisome beginning to the game because he picks up a foul 78 seconds in and Coach Davis pulls him. I think a, a big part of that is you don't you just don't want to risk Mondo getting that second foul early and getting into some trouble. So he pulled him there. And then Armando didn't come back in until 1248 of the first half. Now, here's what's cool. In that final 12 minutes and 48 seconds, at that moment, the Tar Heels had 14 points. 
They scored 21 more points in that half. Mondo had 16 of them, including 10 in a row at one stretch, meaning he scored 16 points in under 13 minutes of game action. Wow, that is super impressive. So Carolina, once they figured out that script, went to it early and often. And then Ohio State made some halftime adjustments, made it more difficult to get post-entry passes. North Carolina took a while to figure that out, but eventually got back to Mondo. And he finishes with 28 and 15. Did they execute that game plan? Absolutely, they did. I thought they could have done it more. Um, There were times where there were just bad angles on entry passes, but um, getting there and working on it. Keep in mind also that Armando is still not 100% healthy. I know nobody is at this point. You're already getting nicks and cuts and bruises and stuff, but he's getting healthier. Number two on our four corners recap is the tenacity and persistence of this team. I know we talked about just a couple minutes ago that I didn't think uh, the Tar Heels showed enough um, standing up to Ohio State's challenge in the first half. But in the second half, they sure did. <laughs> Remember, in the first half, Carolina trailed by as much as 14, 5.30 left in the first half. So there are 25 and a half minutes left of game action. Carolina trails by 14. They got it down to nine at halftime. Truthfully, it should have been six, but some poor transition defense, which was kind of a theme of the day at various times, frankly, allowed Justice Suing to get a three at the buzzer. And I thought, oh boy, it's one of those days where Justice Suing is just going to go off. He had a um, back-to-back buckets for Ohio State there during down the stretch. Um, but Carolina comes out of halftime, gets that nine-point lead down to one at 16:38. But it's one of those things where they never got over the hump. And Ohio State stretches it back out. You know, it's one of those games where it's like, man, if you can just get over the hump, you feel good about where you're at. And they couldn't. Ohio State, from there, systematically pushed it back out to where the lead was again 10 with 10 minutes to go, as many as 11 points again with just seven minutes left. So Ohio State pushed it right back out to a double-digit lead. But as you know, North Carolina eventually pushed right back all the way to get that tie going into halftime or at the end of regulation and then one in overtime. And so the persistence and the tenacity of these Tar Heels, you'd love them to start doing it earlier so they didn't have to do this. But man, that comeback against Virginia Tech that they weren't able to complete, this one they were. And so fought back twice from double digits, one to within one, and then the other where they ultimately and eventually won the game. So to make to me to make both of these pushes from down double digits against a team of Ohio State's caliber and toughness is insanely impressive. Love to see it. Love to know that even in a game, you know, where maybe you don't have a great first half because that's going to happen sometimes, you're able to stay with it and trust this team to do what it needs to do. That said, started earlier. <laughs> don't don't give how heart palpitations. I think I saw somebody's comment on YouTube from uh, uh, something over the weekend that we put up that said like they uh, their their watch recorded like 15 minutes of uh, hard workout during the overtime period. So I get that. Number three on our four corners recap, RJ Davis's homecoming. This man coming home. Keep in mind, he's from White Plains, New York. This is the first time he has played in Madison Square Garden. So really cool. Um, and to have people there who know and love him so dearly. Our, our guy gets 21 points in his homecoming to New York. And it wasn't just 21 points. It was 
just the little things that RJ Davis does here or there that just add up. Some of it was scoring, but you think about like um, Ohio state had a shot clock violation down the stretch. He was integral in forcing that shot clock violation, just forcing his way through screens, not, not allowing himself to get screened off. Um, man, all sorts of stuff like that. So let me, let me just illuminate some of his major offensive plays here. One was his three point play. Carolina at this point is down five with four and a half minutes to go. RJ basically picks up an offensive rebound that's just sitting on the floor. Carolina had been playing a little volleyball, puts it back in, shortest guy on the floor who once again has eight rebounds. Like how does RJ Davis keep doing this? I love it so much, but he puts it back plus the free throw. He has hit 45 of 50 this season, FYI. And so Carolina is now down two. That's massive and it's huge. Um, a couple trips later down the court, courtesy of an Armando Baycott screen up top, RJ basically floodgates open. Red Sea gets a layup to tie the game. Um, and uh, very next trip after that, he gets that step back three that gives Carolina its first lead since 14 to 12. And so RJ just coming down the stretch, making massive plays in a variety of different ways, right? It was all within that time span where he picked up that offensive rebound, put back free throw for helped force, like be the head of the snake enforcing uh, a shot clock violation, that step back three, that layup. Love it. Solid shooting day from the field. He was six of 13, eight of nine on free throws. One of just five misses he's had this year. Uh, I mentioned the eight rebounds, four assists. He did have three turnovers. Okay. Still higher than one to, you know, had more assists than turnovers and two steals. And so RJ is doing it in his homecoming. The final thing, uh, it can't all be positive in our four corners feedback. And it wasn't. Uh, so number four, still too many up and down moments for this team. Um, there was a leaky made a huge three in, in the closing minutes, massive got Carolina to within one, but he had another one that he attempted a little bit later. Carolina's up one right after RJ's three and like four seconds into the shot clock leaky hoists a three. There's like right at 60 seconds left in the game, right at the beginning of the shot clock. If you run some clock and score, you're up either three or four, um, and even if you don't score, you've run essentially 30 of the final 60 seconds off, really putting Ohio State in a bind. Time and score. Got to know time and score. Um, Caleb had several questionable threes, two silly deep ones in the same possession where Carolina could have run a play, had another one later that was just ill-advised. And like, the, as a team, Carolina had some quite frankly, inexcusable turnovers. Um, and so all of this, just, just too many up and down moments. Again, that's that consistency of, of full game. But I can spin this too. You know, the nice thing is despite starting to pick up some wins and string them together, there's still a ton of room for growth for this team. By the way, something I want to talk about on Tuesday's show, three-point shooting, I'm beginning to think this team is not a great shooting team from three. Uh, and a lot of you are probably screaming at me saying, well, of course they're not. Why are you just beginning to think that? Well, I've been thinking slumps or whatever it is, but I, I'm starting to come around to, it's just not a great three-point shooting team. They're going to have days, but we'll see. So anyway, listen, still too many up and downs. Got to be more consistent. Do the Tar Heels. All right. 
Got to wrap up this segment with the shady stat of the game, and it goes to assist percentage. You've been hearing me talking a lot about assist percentage because, frankly, it hasn't been great this season until the past three games. Carolina, just from a, a pure how many assists, have 20-plus in back-to-back games now. The first two times this season, they've been over 20 in assists. But let's, let's divide it out in terms of assist percentage, just simply meaning the number of field goals that were assisted. First nine games of the season, Carolina's 12 in. First nine games of the season, they assisted on just 39.3% of their field goals. That's not good, if you're wondering. In this three-game winning streak they've had, flip in a massive way. The previous first nine games, 39.3% assist rate. Now, 64.8 in those last three games. They've assisted on 59 of their 91 made baskets. That is Carolina basketball. That's what we got to see. Season percentage is now up to 46.2% from um, that that 39.3%. And so you love to see that rise. Would love to get it over 50% on the season. If Carolina keeps doing what they're doing, it absolutely will. Well, this game, it took a lot out of the Tar Heel Nation. It took a special play executed essentially to perfection to force overtime, but the genesis of the play, well, it might surprise you. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to the college bowl season to basketball and the wrap-up of the World Cup. Holy cow, that final was insane. They've got it all at BetOnline. Make sure you check out the line for Wednesday's matchup between the Tar Heels and the Michigan Wolverines in the Jumpman Invitational. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so let's set the table. Let's set the stage for this thing. The play itself is rad, but the reason I want to highlight it is because it's a sign to me of the Carolina coaching staff's capability, dispelling the rumor of them, you know, oh, Hubert just wanted to bring in Carolina family. They're not a good coaching staff. Let's get rid of that notion. On multiple occasions, as we've talked about, Carolina has fought back in this game. They get it to where they're now leading with under 30 seconds left. But then uh, Bryce Sensabaugh gets a bucket in the lane to put OSU back up two. And that's where we uh, leave off. Two seconds left. Carolina has two timeouts. Wasted timeouts, you say? There's only two seconds left in the game? I say, no, sir. Absolutely, you need these two timeouts. Why? Well, first, you take a timeout right here to draw up a play. To A lot of people are thinking, if we're using football parlance, Hail Mary, right here, you got two seconds, you need to play. Hubert Davis is like, no, I got two timeouts, let's use them both. So, draws up a play for Leaky Black on the baseline. He can run because it's a made basket. Uh, to get the ball to half court, RJ Davis, I think, took like one dribble to get across half court timeout used just eight tenths of a second now all the attention goes to the play the basket let's think about how wild it is like ohio state knows you're trying to do this and in in nba you just take your timeout and you get the ball there college nope 
stays right where it is. And so they had to execute this proof to perfection so that the other play could even happen. So first off, do not miss that leaky pass to RJ to get that first time out. Now, you know what happens next. Leaky lobs a pass to the opposite wing just inside the three-point line. Pretty similar spot to Luke May's shot against Kentucky. Same jersey number. You love that. Where Pete Nance hits that turnaround jumper, that turnaround J that uh, he said post-game, he, if he had to bet his life on one or two or three shots, this would be in it. Literally one-tenth of a second showing on the clock as he releases. Insane stuff. Bucket overtime. Let's go. But wait, here's the thing. The Tar Heels used a play they had never used before, they had never practiced before, and that doesn't even have a name. It's so cool. Coach Hubert Davis, the head coach of this team, I might add, trusted his assistant and former head coach, Jeff Lebo, to draw up a play based on a play he had seen earlier this season that Penn State used against Clemson a couple weeks ago, just with some of his own wrinkles. Uh, Penn State needed a three in that moment. Carolina didn't. So just used essentially the same thing, but put a little twist on it to where the Tar Heels could get this bucket from Pete Nance. So basically, Pete Nance is out there as, as a decoy while... Leaky's going to inbound. You see Caleb Love and Armando on the strong side, and everyone's thinking uh, one of them gets the ball. And so Pete Nance on the backside, I think it was Sensabaugh who had just made that bucket, actually, that was on him. So you got 6'6 six, six on 6'11. Easy catch, turn. I mean, I say easy. Easy for Pete Nance to catch, turn around, and shoot. But here's another wrinkle in this whole thing, if, if you haven't heard about any of this yet. It's so wild, and it's so crazy. Leaky and Armando were like, dude, I don't think this play is going to work. Like coach Lebo, love you. Thanks. Appreciate all you do. I just don't see it. I think was Armando's exact quote. And so they were basically ready to audible out of this thing. But then Leaky said, he's getting ready to throw the inbounds pass. He sees Pete Nance look at him and they just have this immediate nonverbal connection where it's like, yep, we're doing this. Leaky throws the pass and the rest is history. And then Carolina takes care of business in overtime. Whew. Right? That's the Carolina coaching staff trusting each other, right? That's that's not just about them doing it. That's about the head coach trusting his assistants to do what needs to be done and then the players being prepared enough to go out and execute and do this, right? You're you're not able to handle that spontaneity if you're prepared for the things that you're prepared to do, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And so uh Boy, that is a moment for this team, a gathering moment, a galvanizing moment where they come together and just begin to realize all the special stuff they share in common. Another like feather in the cap of the Carolina coaching staff is one of the things that really helped turn the tide in the second half of this game was the pressure that Coach Davis called both um, like full court pressure and just the tightened defensive pressure in the half court game. Um, uh, forced a five second violation. We already talked about that shot clock violation, things like that, where Ohio State got a little bit rattled there by the Tar Heel defense. And I mean, it took RJ kind of being a bulldog. You saw Seth Trimble doing some of that. Um, man, don't, don't sell on the Carolina coaching staff. 
You just keep watching for what they got up their sleeves. This was a magical moment, a magical win in one of the greatest cities in the world. Honestly, it is my favorite city. My family was actually there, as you've heard me say, just vacationing. Um, and in fact, we were getting ready to go ice skating at Rock Center. I, my plan was to go record a video at Madison Square Garden, but because of overtime and everything, I had to abort and we went ice skating and I'm like, follow. <laughs> it was a whole thing, but it was an awesome crazy game crazy experience love it and now carolina has this quad one victory and heads into this michigan game ready to keep the tide rolling heading into acc play can't wait to see what's going to happen there well coming up this week we're going to have the the prep for that acc game we're getting super close or for that michigan game excuse me we're getting super close to the bowl game which is next week all sorts of great stuff you can follow the show on twitter at locked on heels or me at isaac shade you can email the show said it earlier but it's locked on tar heels at gmail.com we'd be honored if you'd leave us a five-star review on apple music just got to start getting some reviews in there. It really helps the, the algorithms and everything point to the show. For your next listen of the day, check out Locked On Sports Today. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever else you get podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and comment. And folks, you know it. It is always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? That's right. At Faro, peace.